Welcome, Saints. My name is Phil Burdett. I'm here with my wife, Vicki. We're Freedom's Way Ministries. Our mission is to help you come into uh, communion, common union with your true identity and and empowering you to walk in the power that our Lord has uh, given us in his testament and his last will and testament. And he's, he has authorized us to use his power so that we must there are some uh, conditions on it, and that's to grow to be more like him and have his character. And once you discover who you truly are, you will have that character. Praise the Lord. So, hallelujah. Amen. Welcome tonight. And um, uh, we're, we're uh, going to get started here um, with uh, Vicki's new book, which we're going to be doing, I believe, Chapter 3 tonight. Chapters are titled, The Book Has Not Been, But It Is a Powerhouse. So get your seatbelts on tonight. Thank you, Father, for this time in your word. We honor you tonight. We bow the knee. We say, Holy Spirit, have your way in this meeting tonight. Help your people grow in you. Give them pearls of wisdom that strengthens their walk. And and makes it possible for you to show yourself mighty in them, that they can do exploits in your name, be empowered, and even give you a happy life. So praise the Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you're with us. And I turn aside any assignment from hell that would confuse or distort this word as it was meant to be delivered straight from the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Lord, for this time. I plead the blood of Jesus over this time. I pray blessings over this ministry, blessings on Vicki. I cover her with the blood and the covering from above that passes down from the head to the husband over the wife. So we cover her and we bless her and empower her to bring this message with authority. So thank you, Lord, for this time. We honor you in this, and we say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen. Amen. Thank you, honey. I will, I'm not going to do a review, of course, of what we've already done. However, I will say our chapter titles, our headings for the chapters, have been The Basic Truth of Belonging and the basic truth of being a child of God. Tonight's title is The Basic Truth of Saints and Sinners. In order to explore the subject of saints and sinners, the definitions and differences, the expectations and exhibitions, and the heart of God regarding both groups, We need to put aside what we think we know and dive into the scriptures for fresh revelation. As a starting point, perhaps we should define sin and sinner according to what God himself had to say about it, not what we've been taught or told. In the book of Genesis, The father had a very interesting conversation with Cain about sin. 
And this is what he had to say. In Genesis 4, verses 3 through 7, And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth. And his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you wroth? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto you shall be his desire, and you shall rule over him. Thank you for your word, Lord. Let me paraphrase this for you to hopefully give you a little more understanding. After a while, Cain brought an offering from the field to the Lord. Props he had grown with his own hands. His brother Abel brought a firstborn lamb chosen for its excellent appearance and health. The Lord accepted Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's, which made Cain very angry. So the Lord spoke to Cain, questioning his attitude, in order to cause Cain to examine his own heart and motivations. God said to Cain, why are you so upset, son? If you agree with me and do what you know to be right, things will be well with you. But if you don't agree with me and follow my directives, sin is waiting at your door. Sin wants to pounce on you, to attack you and capture you, desiring eventually to take your life. However, you have the ability within you to overcome sin and take dominion over him. God himself personified sin. In other words, he gave form and human characteristics to something non-human. He gave a physical form to a concept or attribute of evil. The word lieth used in the King James Version of the Bible means crouches on all fours like an animal. Well, you can't crouch if you don't have a body. When God told Cain sin had a desire to have him, he was also saying sin has some form of intelligence, since you can't have a desire if you can't think. So basically, God said sin is some form of intelligent being. It has a body, even if it's a spirit body, and it has desires, which means it has a mind of some kind. It can think. In the Hebrew, the word sin in this passage of Scripture means both the offense 
and the offender. In other words, it encompasses not simply the action, but also the thinking being behind the action. When you get to the New Testament, the Greek translation of sin leaves out the offender piece of the definition and becomes simply the offense. We've been taught that sin is the action only. It is bad things that bad people do. No wonder so many of God's people cannot seem to separate themselves from sin. They're convinced that they are the bad people, the sinners. But is that the case? Jesus gave us his definition of sinner just as God did. In John chapter 16, verses 7 through 9. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. In this verse, Jesus himself says that a sinner is one who does not believe. If a sinner is a non-believer, what are you when you come into the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Throughout the New Testament scriptures, believers are called saints. This word in the Greek has only one meaning. And that meaning is sacred. The explanation of sacred is physically pure, morally blameless, ceremonially consecrated. By reason of being born again, we're physically pure, like a newborn babe is physically pure. 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23. Seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Perhaps this is why the scripture refers to believers as virgins, a group whom we consider to be physically pure. The blood of Jesus cleanses us of our past and all unrighteousness so that we're morally blameless. He took the punishment for our crimes of sin against God and others 
So we who believe on him are uncondemned. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That spirit. That is Romans 8, verse 1. To consecrate means to make or pronounce clean. Ceremonial, ceremonially consecrated refers to our setting ourselves apart to God, usually by a public declaration of our faith in accepting Jesus as our Lord and not simply our Savior. Ceremonial consecration may also be through baptism, which is generally thought of as our outward sign of God's inward work in us. We can also be ceremonially consecrated or set aside for a specific spiritual purpose or ministerial calling or vocation within the structure of our churches and the body of Christ. Basically, to be consecrated means you have made a heart commitment to follow on to know the Lord and to serve him as he wills without murmur or complaint. Second Corinthians 6, verses 14 to 17. Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believes with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be you separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Therefore, if you are a believer, you have been born again and are physically pure. If you are a believer, you have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus and are morally blameless. If you are a believer and have publicly responded to the call of God to set yourself apart to his service and benefits, you are consecrated. By definition, then, you are not a sinner, you are a saint, one of the sacred group. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ooh. Hallelujah, Lord. There's no doubt that this truth resonates with your spirit and the Spirit of God within you. Still, 
there remains the question of sin. We know we're born of God because we are born again. Yet John says, if we are born of God, we cannot sin. At the same time, we know that, oh yes, we can commit sins. John didn't just say we won't sin or that we can say no to sin or we don't sin or that we no longer have to sin or are compelled to sin. He says we cannot sin. First John 3, 9. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. This is one of those scriptures that because we don't understand the realities of the spirit world can cause us to be easily confused into thinking, maybe I'm not really born again. Maybe I'm not saved. I thought it was real, but now I'm not so sure. Remember, the devil wants to cause you to doubt, to doubt yourself and to doubt God. He couldn't keep you from getting saved, but he can throw you into doubt, confusion, and ineffectiveness. This is one of those verses that Satan uses to cause people to become religious and works-oriented, always striving to do more and more and to be caught up in self-doubt and fear of not doing enough, of not pleasing God, of not making it into heaven, always wondering if you're good enough to get there. Let's look at something else John said, and then allow the Apostle Paul to bring some clarity to what we've read. In 1 John 1, verse 8 and 9, John said this, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now these verses show both Hebrew understandings of sin, the offense and the offender. Let's go back and look at it. If we say we have no sin, this word speaks of the offender, that personified being of evil, a spirit not of God. If we confess our sins, this word speaks of our actions that manifest that same evil being. For which actions we are clearly responsible, clearly responsible to correct through repentance and forgiveness. John understood spirit world reality, which is why he could say in 1 John 3, 8, he that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, 
the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. This same truth is what Paul explained in the seventh chapter of the book of Romans. Religion has taught us that we sin because of our old man or the flesh. The old man is considered our soulish realm, and the flesh is often believed to be simply our physical bodies. Well, let's first get that foolish thought out. Your body cannot act independently of your mind. Even in functions like breathing, there must be impulses from the brain. Your physical flesh does not have a mind of its own. That leaves the soul, your mind, will, emotions, and desires as the reasons we sin. And these are the areas of our being which Paul addressed in speaking of his own soul and in concluding that sin is, quote, not me. Look at what this great man who wrote the majority of our New Testament had to say. In Romans 7, verses 14 to 25. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent to the law that it's good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, (coughs) pardon me, It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Paul is giving us an understanding of how the spirit world works in our lives 
how evil spirits cause us to sin against God and others, and how the problem is not in our minds or wills or emotions or even desires. Those are the four strengths of our soul, representing the four horns of the altar on which we are to lay down our lives. Psalm 118, verse 27. God is the Lord, which has shown us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even to the horns of the altar. And in Romans 12:1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In the book of Romans chapter 7, where I was just reading, Paul clearly delineated and addressed each area of our souls to eliminate any mistaken idea that we are the evil motivators or moderators of our sins. Now, don't get the wrong idea that I'm saying we're not responsible for our actions and our attitudes. We are clearly responsible when we commit a sin against God or others. Yes, we are, or should be, held accountable. Yes, we must repent. Changing our hearts and minds and direction. In fact, we become even more accountable when we have this truth. Because now we must also recognize what evil spirit we have allowed to manifest its nature through us and remove it. Let's look. Paul first said, it's not my will to sin, when he said, for that which I do, I allow not. Our will is the decision-making faculty which determines what we allow in our lives and what we don't. When the doorbell rings, you are the one who decides whether or not you will allow that person in your home. You are the one who decides the standard by which you will live and the standards to which those around you must adhere if they wish to stay around you. That is your will. Paul said, I'm doing things I do not allow. So it isn't his will. In the area of desire, Paul said, I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm actually doing things that are detestable to me. Hallelujah. He said that when he said, for what I would, that do I not. For what I hate, that do I. 
His desire was to love and serve God and not to be perverted or rebellious or whatever it was he was doing. Many of us have a heartfelt desire to do the right thing. And yet, we continue to fall short of our own good intentions and often don't even realize why. So it wasn't his desire. As for his emotions, Paul had more than one thing to say. First of all, he said he hated what he was doing, as stated above. We consider hatred to be an emotion, and certainly it is at times, although sometimes it is an evil spirit, which works to stir up your emotions and take you off track steal your peace, destroy your health. Paul also mentioned this aspect of his soul, the emotions, when he said, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Feeling delight is certainly an emotion. So it's not his emotions. In his mind, his intellect, Paul was also sold out to God. He said, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. That is the final strength of the human soul, our thought life. Paul said his mind was for God, not against God, but there was something else present that warred against, quote, the law of my mind. His conclusion, it's not me. Repeatedly, Paul stated, now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Paul clearly said, there is something in me that is not me. It's not my mind. It's not my emotions. It's not my will. It's not my desires. It is flesh. Well, If your flesh, your physical body, can't perform or think without your mind, then flesh is not you either. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. This would explain what John was saying when he stated that if you're born of God, you cannot sin. Those evil spirits are not born of God. And so John was also telling us, it's not you. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Most Christians are aware. Well, let's go back. Let's go on with what Paul was teaching us. A wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? What an interesting thing to say, the body of this death. He also, earlier in the passage, referred to a war in his members. These references call to mind other places in Scripture which speak of a body, the body of Christ. Most Christians are aware that the Bible teaches that each person who is born again becomes a part, a member of the body of Christ, which is constructed by God and intended to bring life into the world. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body? Now, if you are the body of Christ, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. That's 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 14, verses 18 to 20, and verse 27. Think of this body and its very varied members. We all have different names, and many of us share the same name, John, Mary, Joe, Alice, so forth. We all have different personalities and character traits. We all have different gifts, talents, and abilities. We all have different functions and different assignments in the body. Our assignments come from the head, who is Jesus, and our mission is the same, to bring life. As God breathed into man and man became a living soul, We are meant to breathe life into situations, circumstances, and people, to see hearts and bodies healed, relationships restored, and brokenness mended. As is his pattern, Satan has done his best to imitate God by constructing the body of sin, designed and meant to bring death into the world. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23 The wages of sin is death. The body of sin is the body of death to which Paul referred. 
just as is the body of Christ, the body of sin is made up of members in particular. They all have different names, and some share the same name. There are many spirits of fear, rejection, accusation, and so forth. They all have different gifts, talents, and abilities. They all have different functions and different assignments in their bodies. Their assignments come from their head, who is Satan. But their mission is a common one, to bring death. Again, as God breathed into man and man became a living soul, the wannabe God, Satan, breathed into man and man became a dead soul. Why we had to be born again. The function and goal of evil spirits is to breathe death into situations, circumstances, and people. To see hearts and bodies wounded and diseased, relationships destroyed, and brokenness abound on every side. Wow. We can conclude then that sin is not simply bad things that bad people do. And if you commit a sin, you are by definition a bad person. Despite our failures and transgressions, our faults and shortcomings, are missing the mark of the high calling of God repeatedly in our lives. If we are true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross of Calvary, we are saints and not sinners. We may be considered sinners in the natural world because of our sins, but in the spirit world, We are made righteous by the blood of Jesus. With this new perspective, we can now begin to come out from the unclean thing as we have been commanded. Our love of God and his love for us empowers us to do exactly that. The infilling of the Holy Spirit enables us to discern the evil spirits, those spirit realm sinners, often called the workers of iniquity, which want to rise up from within our hearts and cause us to commit sin. Psalm 64, 2, hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. Once identified, these evil things can be removed from us by our deliverer, Jesus Christ, the word of the living God. They can be cast down and out of our lives, our thoughts, our feelings, and our desires so that they can no longer manipulate and control our wills. 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26. 
And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Psalms 36.12, there are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and shall not be able to rise. No one likes to think we carry evil spirits around in us. After all, once we're born again and the Holy Spirit of God comes into us, no other spirit can be there, right? And doesn't the Word of God tell us that Jesus bore our curses so there's no more curse? We'll make two brief points in answer now and then explore these doctrines in balance throughout the later chapters. First of all, Jesus himself explained what Paul and John later attempted to teach. Evil enters our heart and is within us. It doesn't just float around in the atmosphere waiting to jump on us and attach itself. Mark 7, verse 20 to 23. And he said, That which comes out of the man, that defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, Deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. Reminiscent of the conversation between God and Cain, isn't it? God said, hey, Cain, if you open the door, sin comes in. Sin has a desire to have you. It isn't a question of whether or not a Christian can have a demon. It's a question of whether or not a demon can use a Christian to manifest its nature. Obviously, the answer is yes. As for curses, it is absolutely true that Jesus is our curse bearer and that he made a way through his stripes and crucifixion for us to be completely free of sin, sickness, poverty, and death. Those are the four strengths of the curse. Now that Jesus has finished his work, we have a responsibility to appropriate what he accomplished. We're the ones who must recognize the curses over our own lives and families, renounce and break them in the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Think of it this way. If Jesus did it all with no responsibility on our part, then we would have all been born saved after the Lord Jesus sacrificed his life for ours. If the curses were automatically eliminated at his death, 
Not one person would ever suffer from mental illness or physical disease. But no, we had to acknowledge and accept what he did by recognizing, confessing, and repenting of our sins in order to be saved and have eternal life. We must do the same thing in order to be free of the curses of our generations and our own open doors. The way you got into the kingdom is the way you go on in it and gain its benefits. Thank you, Lord. Being released out of error and spiritual bondage is being released into truth and deeper relationship with God. The Lord never releases us to our own ways because the way of man has a snare. The snare is set by the devil. And without understanding of our freedom and its responsibilities, we can easily fall into the devil's trap. Ask the Lord to seal these truths in your heart and in your mind so that you won't be guided by a broken compass as you navigate through life's challenges. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me. Pray it out loud. This prayer will be in the book. Every chapter is going to end with a prayer. Because it doesn't do anybody any good to know a truth that they don't seal in their hearts with a practical application of the Word of God and His His empowering love. So pray this with me. Father God. Father God. Thank you for showing me the difference Thank you for showing me the difference between saints and sinners. Between saints and sinners. Seal these truths in my heart. Seal these truths in my heart. And in my mind. And in my mind. Thank you that I am a believer. Thank you that I am a believer. And therefore, in the group called saints. Therefore, in the group called saints. I am sacred to you. I am sacred to you. Help me know deep in my heart. Help me know deep in my heart. That you are my righteousness, Jesus. That you are my righteousness, Jesus. And that I can love you with your love. 
I can love you with your love. I can love others with your love. I can love others with your love. Because you are within me. Because you are within me. Because of you. Because of you. I can keep a pure heart and right motives. I can keep a pure heart and right motive. Help me, Lord, to walk in love. Help me, Lord, to walk in love. So that I can be always morally blameless. So I can be always morally blameless. Make me quick to repent to you. Make me quick to repent to you. When I fail to recognize the snare of the devil. When I fail to recognize the snare of the devil. And fall into his trap of sin. And fall into his trap of sin. Help me know that when I repent, help me know that when I repent of my daily sins, of my daily sins, I am forgiven, I am forgiven, and cleansed of all unrighteousness, and cleansed of all unrighteousness. And help me, Lord, to forgive myself. And help me, Lord, to forgive myself. My desire is to continually. My desire is to continually. Set myself apart to you. Set myself apart to you. And to your purposes and plans. And to your purposes and plans. So that everyone will know. So that everyone will know. I am consecrated to the living God. I am consecrated to the living God. And to no other. And to no other. My desire. My desire is to appropriate my full salvation package. To appropriate my full salvation package. So that I can break all curses over my life. So that I can break all curses over my life. By your power in me. By by your power in me. And rid myself and rid myself of all uncleanness in my heart of all uncleanness in my heart as I grow in your love as I grow in your love and in your power and in your power.
Never let me think of myself. Never let me think of myself. More highly than I should. More highly than I should. Or to think of myself. Or to think of myself. As less than your best. As less than your best. I want to agree with you. I want to agree with you. And what you have to say about me. And what you have to say about me. And others. And others. So that I can recognize myself as sacred. So I can recognize myself as sacred. Physically pure. Physically pure. Morally blameless. Morally blameless. And set apart to you, Lord God. And set apart to you, Lord God. And to your purpose. And to your purpose. A saint and not a sinner. A saint and not a sinner. I declare. I declare. That the blood of Jesus Christ. That the blood of Jesus Christ. Is all powerful and effective. Is all powerful and effective. To see this prayer accomplished in my life. To see this prayer accomplished in my life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That was phenomenal. I want to be the first (laughs) to come. Powerful, powerful people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. Yes, he is. God is good. And his goodness is everywhere, and we just need to appropriate more and more of his goodness into our lives. Because it is a gift, and it is available. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And for those of you who are wondering why Phil didn't already know about this teaching, <laughs> we took a trip this past weekend for uh, to a very powerful conference, and I was not finished with the teaching. And he had to get back to Jacksonville um, today, so he left as I was working on it. And um, so he didn't know what was going to (laughs) happen. So thank you very much, honey. Thank you. Um, God is good. Yes, he is. And if anybody, yeah, if anybody out there has a, um, a question or a comment, please push your star six keys on your telephone keypad, that will unmute your phone. If you have something that you think I should add, um, if there was something that didn't flow well, 
didn't make sense to you or wasn't connected somehow, <coughs> and please, I need to know that because this book is in its first stage. This is the writing part. And, um, you know, it, it will be, I'm sure, edited. I mean, I've, I saw some edits, some of them I added as I went along, even tonight. So, um, yeah, uh, you have an opportunity to to give your input and to let me know if you think I'm going the right direction. I'm willing to be corrected. Hey, Vicki, it's Elaine. Hi. Hey, you know what? This is a topic that so many have, I'll just put it, focused on sinners so much that people are just sinners saved by grace on the other side. And it's really yeah. critical, and that's a very excellent you know, that you approach that, um, it is. Um, and I don't know whether I fell asleep or something. When you address this, I remember somewhere in there, you were talking about the the contrast between you can't sin and what do I do because all I do is sin. Okay. So that needed more maybe that's a whole chapter by itself. I don't know. Uh, but that's a really biggie, biggie, biggie. Cause, um, and, and people have gone all over the, all over the world with those verses, you know, as to what they mean. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm just I, saying I, it I probably needs more. more. Right. I think the next chapter, um, uh, and the Lord was kind of talking to me about today uh, is going to be the truth about am I really saved? That's which good. That would be will, great. Yeah, which will expand um, on just that. And um, I think that will be chapter four. Uh, um and that's kind of another huge yeah yeah it, it it's another huge thing Christianity you know there are people that say you can lose your salvation people say you can't lose your salvation yeah. I don't know okay. where you're going to end up on it you know but uh, it's uh, some <laughs> teach really out. like huh <laughs> call in and find out <laughs> well that's all right but you know yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, right. there's some denomination makes them so nervous that they can't ever rest in their salvation. Because That's maybe right. I lost it because I I, I got lost right. my temper three mm-hmm. times today. Or I yeah. fill in the blank. And so that means I'm damned. And they they stay mm-hmm. with it, I'm damned. That's awful. Yeah. Well... Um, and, and you know, that is really the whole crux of this entire work is to, to see that people come into their true identity. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and and come out of the doubt and fear and condemnation of religion and into mm-hmm. that relational place with God where we mm-hmm. can advance the kingdom in the earth. Yeah. And thank you, mm-hmm. Elaine. It means a lot to me because I know what a great teacher you are. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's a, you know, really critical part in some people. I mean, I'm no, I not agree. going now. Yeah. But anyway, I, 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 no, we don't need this. You're a sinner and don't forget it ever. <laughs> no. Right. I'm, I'm beloved. He doesn't call me that. He says, I'm beloved. <laughs> you are beloved. Yeah. Thank you. But there is a thank passage. You, that, yeah, there, I don't know. There's so many translations. But there is a passage, and you would have to look into the context of it more. And I don't know. At that point, is he talking to people that are saved or people that are not saved? Did he make a parenthesis and he was talking to saved and then switch over? And it's in the New Testament. It says, cleanse your hands and something, something, you sinners. And it means repent, you sinners, whatever that is. It is cleansing your hands, whatever. But that is the only time that I can, not that I, you know, used one of those counters like, you know, there's certain, yeah, uh, yeah but I, that's the only time I've seen sinner. And mourn and weep, you sinner. Okay, so it's the only time. I mean, I think it's so deep. If you look deeper into the translations, like who uses sinner a lot? I don't know if you're going to find it, but uh, I forget what version that that is in. But that's the only, you know, couple of verses where it says, "Cleanse your your hands, you sinners, and mourn and weep." Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know. Let me just quickly. I'll look that up. But anybody else got um, got something? to say, question, comment, while I'm looking that up. Yeah, James 4, 8. Let's look. Okay. So, who else has something to say? I'll say something if nobody else is on the line. Uh, It's Lisa, and this was a very definitely in-depth study of sin, something you don't hear. And this is something I would have to hear. I definitely need to hear it again or maybe two and three, four times. Um, But there is, uh, in the very beginning, you uh, told... um, uh, just trying to think now. You shall not be mastered by sin. Now, where's that verse? This is where I'm not good. I, it's in the beginning. Well, the first time. He told, yeah, the first, you shall the first not time be mastered by. So basically, sin is over Satan. Sin 
right? You shall not be mastered by sin. Um, yeah, we have power over it. And, and, you know, we have power over it. The, master, the sin was over the devil. You shall not be mastered. Well, he is, was, he is the source of sin. Satan is the source of sin. Sin didn't originate with Adam. It originated in heaven when Satan exalted himself. Itself, it's so, independent. It's like an independent, it's, it's definite, yeah. Itself, definite self. Yes, it's an independent. It's like because it's because he went his own way. Like it was pride entered. So it's independent. It because we were dependent. We were created and we were united. We were one, like you said, in his image. But then we turned. So that's like an independent, would you say, I don't know, itself. Self is all part of it. The enemy uses, the enemy goes for the lust. And then, again, you need to correct me. He goes for a lust of ours. And the the enemy goes after a lust in us. And then if we agree, then there's a conception. Then there's that's sin. right. That's right. You got it. But then so yeah. No, but and we'll we're, we'll probably. I really yeah. do got it. I wish we got it. <laughs> I'm just like it's yeah. not. It's um, you got it. Yeah, I got it. You know, and I'm thinking into it. That's what I'm saying. I'm using my mind, so you can't think yeah. into it. Um. <laughs> But this was really good. I had to listen. When you said sin has a mind, you said something about that. You said something about the mind. Yes. Yeah. You can't have a desire unless you can think. So, it, you know, if you can think, you are some form, uh, you have some form of, of mind, some intelligence. Okay. I know. Okay. Well, I, I look. I would like to. I'll text you and I'll, um, you know, to listen to it. But this is so much. You know, all all this, the chapters are definitely, um, you know, very important. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. Who else has something to say? I hear some noise back there. Oh, that's uh, that's me, Vicky. I was looking for something in my papers, but this this just was amazing tonight. I just loved it. Wow. Thank you. Pamela. I just really, really loved it. It was like right on the money. You know, I just needed to hear it, and I'm so thankful for you and your God teaching. God bless you, woman. Well, okay. back at you. Thank you, thank you. All right. Who yeah. else has something? 
Bless you, Patty. Thank you. God bless you, Vicki. And you know what, Vicki? Is there any way I could um, get a prayer request in right now, if it's okay with you? Or if you need to go on with other people, that's okay. Um, go ahead. Um, okay. We prayed before we went to the doctor. I took my dad to the dermatologist, believing for a good report. They did two biopsies, one of his nose, one of his on his arm. And, you know, I was kind of like, oh, gee, um, praying for the good report. And also she saw something on my top of my cheek that she wanted to freeze. And I I, I didn't do it yet because next week's my birthday. And I kind of like, I don't know, I, I just didn't have peace about doing it right now. So um, okay. just want okay. to cover that with prayer, please. I'll be glad to. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for the wisdom of uh, our medical uh, profession. Thank you, God, that you've given us a bridge to help us um, maintain our bodies and our and our health until we reach that point of absolute divine help in you that the curses off our lives are broken thank you that you've given us power over all the power of the enemy that we have authority permission to use your authority the heft of heaven and i curse any abnormalities in your body in your father's body, in the body of Christ, anywhere on this line, or our families or extended families and friends. I curse the abnormalities, anything that is not of God. We arrest you. We say you cannot reproduce or multiply. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is come in the flesh. And Father, I call forth a good report, and I call forth peace. Peace in Patty regarding her father and regarding herself. That that any spirit of fear be absolutely shut down. You step aside because God is coming through. In the name of Jesus, I speak healing and help. And I call forth the good report. We choose as an act of our wills to believe you, God, to believe you. And by your stripes, Jesus, we are healed. Thank you that you cared so much for us that before you went to the cross, you took a side trip to the whipping post to take our infirmities, our diseases, our infections. You took it so that we don't have to suffer it. So I thank you, Lord. 
I, I just uh, break any generational curse yes. right now. I reverse it. I send it back to hell where it belongs. Yes. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much. Who else has, you're welcome, honey. Who else has something to say tonight? Um, let's get back to saints and sinners. Praise God. I want to thank, um, yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Just If you could also, that she's saying prayer, and I, it's something tells me I should, um, just to keep a friend of ours, um, a close uh, friend, her brother died unexpectedly, and we have a funeral to get, attend tomorrow. And um, just for Terry and her family, just to keep her in your thoughts, your, your prayer, maybe for them. Um, okay. Just it's she, he was 54. They still don't know why he just died. I don't know all the details. Um, he has two okay. children, and it's it's. I don't know where they are spiritually. Um, again, it, it, this girl has been very close to our family because she's married to one of our cousins. So um, okay, yeah. So well, this is okay, Father. We just lift this family up to you. I thank you that um, all spirits of accusation are are forbidden to operate. Any accusation of you or toward you, any accusation toward any family member, and any self-accusation or condemnation, Lord. I should have done this, I should have said that, maybe if we'd done this or that or the other thing, Lord. We close off the voice of the enemy, and we say, you will not steal from this family anymore. Yes, Jesus. Lord, I ask that if there is anyone that has not known your love or felt your love, has not come to know you, that you reveal yourself that you use what the devil has meant for evil, that you use for good to bring them into that relationship with you and into your kingdom and into their purpose in your plan and their true identity in you. And I thank you, Lord, that you comfort their hearts. Yes. Let not their hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Oh, and I, I, um, I want to thank, I want to thank Phil. Thank you, honey, for covering me tonight. Um, and and I just. I I just want you to know I'm just very humbled uh, and grateful to God to have you in my life. So thank you. So again, we're thankful to have you continue to.
humble yourself to serve and that <clears throat> that God is able to have access through this phone line into the hearts and lives of a lot of people. So I guess it serves you well, but it serves us well, and we're thankful. Thank you. We're thankful for all that Jesus has cultivated this in your heart. Yeah. I would, uh, I would just ask prayer tonight that I would uh, find peace and um, pray that um, a certain company does the right thing as they hope to and I try to always lay it down and pick not things up again but people are calling me even at this late time during the prayer line and I just want to <clears throat> thank God for their truth is kind of an anchor um, when we bump up against the truth we can anchor up and that be Shifting, shifting around, and tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I appreciate you laboring along on the line tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are steadfast and faithful to your saints, your sacred ones. Thank you, Father that our trust in you is never misplaced and that you know exactly what you're doing and how to accomplish the best for all involved. Mm-hmm. So I thank you, God, that your son Rick, your golden boy, doesn't have to search for peace. It is within him. And I thank you that you just rise up by your Holy Spirit and fill him with the fruit of peace in his heart and in his mind that as an act of his will, He taps into your peace to rest tonight, that as he rests, you bring restoration in the name of Jesus. Lord, you're the one that turns the hearts of kings, whithersoever you will. And we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much. Ooh. The veileth much. The veileth much, as it says in James. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Um. I'm going to ask Phil to please uh, close out the line tonight and uh, bless God's saints. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Wow. I feel a strong presence of the Holy Spirit tonight. I thank you, Lord, for showing on the line tonight, confirming your word with signs and wonders. So, Lord, we just bless you. And, I mean, we bow our knee to you. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that you are mindful of the affairs of men. You are an amazing God, and this is an amazing time. So we're thankful to be living in this time. We're thankful for all your blessings and benefits of living in America. And, Lord, we give you all the honor and glory for it. And we thank you, Lord, that that you have appointed us for a particular task to bring people to their true identity and understanding of who they are in Christ. They can do exploits and feel right about it and feel empowered and not in shame because they they are anointed of you and you have your way, your plan, your authority, your way of doing things, Lord, that we submit to. You say in 1 John 1, 9, that if we have sin, that you're faithful and just. If we confess our sins, that you're faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Lord, strengthen us to understand that, that we are cleansed, we are whole. We are, you are wanting to use us in a powerful way. So, Lord, we submit to your plan. We say Use us, Lord. Put the people in front of us. Bless them through us. Let our shadows heal the sick. Give us the power and the strength to understand, to keep, to be mindful and to pay attention to what you're saying and what you're doing. Because, Lord, you have a mighty plan to empower us to submit to that plan, Lord. And with your permission, I will bless your people as Aaron blessed the Israelites in the desert in the book of Numbers when he said, I will do Hebrew and English, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his face unto you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you shalom, give you peace in your day-to-day walk, peace in your homes, peace in your heart, peace of mind. Thank you, Lord. And I added Shem Yeshua in the name of Jesus. Of Nazareth, King of kings and Lord of lords, in your name, Lord, I plead the blood over us all, your protection, your strength. Camp your angels around us. Strengthen us, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you that you've raised us up in peace. And, Lord, thank you for all your plans and purposes, and we submit to that because you know what you're doing, and we honor you. So. Thank you for this day. Bless your people.
We love you, Lord, and we love your people. Amen. Mm-hmm.